Travels with Charlie is paid for by Jolly Convenience Stores, Mill Travel American Express, and Costello Waste. The views and opinions expressed in Travels with Charlie do not necessarily reflect the views or opinions of the Radio Vermont Group. We welcome listener feedback. Email your comments to WDEV at RadioVermont.com. Well, it's all about all the folks you meet. Sitting in a diner or out in the street. Catch up with the news. Get your point of view. I want to hear what unravels. I'll see you in my travels. Well, good afternoon. Welcome to another edition of Travels with Charlie, your host, Charlie Papillo. Glad to be with you today and uh, glad that you are listening today. Uh, quick reminder, of course, this show would not happen without the support of my sponsors. I hope that you get out and, and support uh, these people as well. Casella Waste Systems, Casella.com, Zero Sort Recycling, helping to keep it out of the landfill. Jolly Convenience Stores, when I'm on the road and I need a bite to eat or if I need to fill up the car, I know where to stop. Creamies on the road, too. It's that season. What a wicked hot day. You want a creamy? Stop into one of the 40 Jolly Convenience stores in the area. Milne Travel, they've been doing it since 1975. MilneTravel.com, the lowest airfares via databases exclusive to the travel industry. And, of course, Myers Wood Fire. You know, I don't call them Myers Bagels anymore. It's Myers Wood Fire. they got the new place on Shelburne Road. And coming up soon, still not yet, coming up soon, they're going to be doing wood-fired pizza in the evenings. Uh, Myers Wood-Fired Bagels, MyersBagels at Hotmail.com if you... Uh, Want more information? A uh, great show lined up for you today. The executive director of Camp Tecumseh is going to be my guest uh, coming up. Uh, this is a camp for children who have have or had cancer. Dennis DePaul will be my guest. Uh, Jeff Weld, as I mentioned, with the Casella Waste Sustainability Spotlight. Uh, my first guest is no stranger to the airwaves here at WDEV. He's certainly looking very comfortable in the air chair here in the studio. You knew him from the open mic show. It's Mike Smith. Good afternoon, Mike. Well, good afternoon, Charlie. Thank you for having me. I can see lots of changes here in the studio. Uh, really, nothing's changed. I was going to say, maybe maybe from that side, I don't see it there. By the way, now you've been in the studio multiple times. Uh, what is the cowbell for, do you know? Did you ever use that in your show? I never used no. the cowbell in the show, but I, uh, I should have. Well, maybe we'll use it today. <laughs> there we go. So Mike, of course, uh, is here to talk about but, uh, man, you know, Mike, <laughs> I don't want to give it to you because I'm sure you get enough of it from your from your wife. But, you know, here's a guy that uh, he doesn't know uh, to not answer the phone. He retires. And, and I can't tell you how many times he's retired because I think it was, God, I don't know, 20 years ago when I hosted a retirement party for him when he left government. Uh, and then he comes back. He just keeps coming back. And and here he is again. It was, what, one month into your retirement. You got a phone call. Uh, you want to fill us in how this happened? You are now the interim president of Vermont State Universities. Yeah, it was um, – <clears throat> I had actually been retired a little bit longer than a month, maybe just a year I had been retired. But I got a phone call and just asked me if I would uh, be interested. And I really thought about it because I – this is uh, 
as you said, I've come out of retirement before, but I thought this was it, that I was going to be. Ted Brady's got nothing on this guy, <laughs> yeah. let me tell you. <laughs> the um, one thing that I did think about was what would happen if I didn't come out of retirement? And one of the things that I thought, this is really important. This the Vermont State University is important to the state. It's important to the workforce in particular. We're the ones that train either through a certificate, through a diploma, through an associate's degree or bachelor's degree. About just about every profession that's out there, whether it's a plumber, electrician, nurse, teacher, uh, flight, uh, a a pilot, we do we we teach. and give certificates and degrees and diplomas to all those professions out there. And it would have a devastating impact on the state of Vermont. That's why I decided to say yes for a short term. Yeah. Why, while they – You agreed for six months, right? I agreed yeah. for six months yeah. while they have an opportunity to look for someone else. Yeah. Do you think you can uh, – well, I don't know. You, there's a lot to fix. You're not going to fix everything in six months. You're just going to get it sort of spring-loaded and – Yeah, I think – there's a lot of things that need to be done, and we'll get you know it started along the way. We turn on July one as Vermont State University. That's yeah. a big deal. Yeah, uh, we have you know different institutions coming together. Those uh, cultures and philosophies within those dis- uh, those various institutions. I want to maintain the spirit on each campus, but there's really advantages of it coming together uh, as a Vermont State University, and I, I look forward to uh, what the possibilities are for this institution. You're known as, you know, people always call you Mr. Fix-It, the fixer-upper. Do you agree with that? I mean, when you think about it, how many jobs have you been called into, you know, short-term, interim? I I think there's at least five that I can think of, Um, and that's what you do. You go in and you fix it. Do you you like that challenge? You don't... You know, not necessarily, uh, you know, a 20 year commitment that you're going to give to some organization. You're going to be the president or the CEO. You like coming in and just fixing it up. Yeah. Although I think Mr. Fix It wouldn't apply at home. At home. <laughs> uh, if we, Let's if, not get Mary started here. Yeah. Uh, by the way, if we, we want to hear the other side of the story, Mary, if you'd like to call in today, 244 1777. Mike is, he's shaking. 1-877-291-8255. How much do you like a challenge? That's, I think yeah. that's the key. Yeah. I, I do like challenges from my days in SEAL Team, yeah. uh, and going through SEAL Team training and then being in SEAL Team, uh, to what I do today. I like the opportunity. I've been really fortunate to be called in on things that are important to the state of Vermont. And yeah. that is my prime motive when I get, when I get a call and whether I come in. Can I make a difference for the state of Vermont? Yeah. And, you know, I've, I've been I was born here, grew up here, graduated high school here, graduated the University of Vermont here. You know, I just really feel so committed to this state and trying to make a difference in this state. That's why I do what I do. So July 1st, uh, boy, that's coming up um, Saturday, <laughs> right around the corner here. Uh, the official launch. It's a very in- important date, of course. Uh, what's going to happen exactly on that date? 
Well, we'll become one entity, Vermont State University. But at the, as I said earlier, I don't want to lose the spirit of the individual campuses. Yeah, that's important. That is yeah. important. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of support be, uh, behind, for example, Linden or Castleton or Johnson or Vermont Tech, both the Ramp, uh, Randolph campus and the Williston campus. I don't want to lose that spirit. Yeah. I don't want to lose that. And at all. you must hear that from alumni. Yeah, right? I do. Yeah, I do. And what I say to them is, you know, look, there's advantages of coming together for the student uh, that make a lot, a lot of sense and and there makes a lot of fiscal sense of coming together as well and not only for the student to take courses that normally may not be available at their particular institution but also fiscal sense let's stop competing against one another let's move in one direction as we move forward and there's going to be some challenges there's definitely going to be some challenges in ahead there's challenges for higher ed throughout the United States, but we can overcome it together. My guest this afternoon, Mike Smith, uh, formerly of Open Mic here on WDEV, uh, now the interim president of Vermont State Universities. That will become official, Vermont State Universities, on July 1st. You have a question, you have a comment, you're an alum of any of the uh, schools that are consolidating. We'd love to hear from you, 244-1777 or 1-877-291-8255. And I know Mike would love to hear from you. Uh, you know, one of the things that you always mentioned about doing this program, and when you left it was, the conversation that you got to have with people almost every day, you know, five days a week. Yeah, that was really, really important to me. The, the callers, because they would bring up different perspectives than I had, and I really enjoyed the interaction. Sometimes I didn't agree yeah. with that. Well, but that's, that's what that's makes okay. it interesting. That's what makes yeah. it interesting. Yeah. And I'm sure there's people that don't agree with me now, whether, you know, we were talking earlier when I was Secretary of Human Services just recently. Yeah. Um, you know, I came in on on that during during COVID during COVID, yeah. and it was it was really interesting listening to people and interacting with people. I've never been prouder of the state of Vermont than during COVID and how we all came together. And I think we have the opportunity here with Vermont State University to do the same. You know, Mike, you 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 bring up uh, how you 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 know you answer the call and how you're very passionate about Vermont and I'm sure that you've you've been asked this before and you know uh, you know anytime I've asked uh, your good friend and my my friend as well former governor Jim Douglas about going on to higher office uh, ask you you know why not answer that call? People would love to have you as, as a governor. Just for two years, you could go in. You'd really fix things, Mike. <laughs> no, 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 thank you. No, thank you. No, <laughs> no. Why not that job? I mean, that's something you could really impact this state. Why? Why is it the campaigning? All of that? Uh... I, I think so. I, I mean, I really have never even given it a thought because you were in the legislature, so you, you've I, obviously I, campaigned. I, I've obviously yeah. campaigned. I had just never given a thought. It's not where my interests are. My interests are running sort of operations yeah. with the politics out of it and really trying to make a difference here. Now, I understand being governor would make a difference, yeah. but I just – I don't have an interest in yeah. that. And you also have a multitude of bosses in the legislature that you have to answer to. So it's not as easy as uh, – I'm not saying what you're doing is easy, but, you know, you're the head guy now, yeah. and you can kind of, you know, pull some punches if you want, I and, would imagine. And we got a governor who's doing a pretty darn good job Yes, right we do. Now. Well, I'm not saying that you should challenge him, not at all. Uh, let's uh, talk a, a little bit about um, 
you know, what happened previously with uh, the president uh, uh, before you came on and some of the things that he had advocated for. One of them, a lot of pushback on uh, getting rid of libraries, going digital, and even getting rid of some sports programs. Now, you've sort of put those things on hold, right? I actually rescinded those decisions. So, but I, I did one with a caveat. With the libraries, I... I rescinded the the decision with the NCAA decision. I rescinded that as well with a caveat, and I'll get to that caveat in a minute. The libraries, I just felt we had needed to do more work. I'm not abandoning going digital in terms of, you know, really streamlining our stacks, you know, books that aren't used as that much, Mm -hmm. putting those on a digital platform. I think the Customers want it, who are the students. They want more digital as we move forward. But it isn't up to me to say how much should be digital. It should be from the bottom up, from those that work in the libraries every day. You know, progressive library management and progressive library practices say that digital is a platform that we should be looking at. But not everything needs to be digital. And secondly, it's not me who should be making that decision. Heck, I don't know anything about that. But uh, most students today or most uh, people that are of student age, uh, what they do is, you don't see them with books. They've got a computer. Yeah. They've got their phone. And, uh, you know, you could even argue, it's and it's been a while since my kids have been in college, but I, I often remember that first day when they came back and said, here's the book bill. And I'm going, yeah. What? (laughs) There's got to be some way to reduce that book bill for parents and for students. Yeah, and and like I said, we're we're going to go to digital. What that percentage is, I'm not sure. Um, You know, let the people who work with it every day make those sort of determinations. And and what I've said in the past is, you know, let's do this process. What what I was worried about is the process of was from the top down. Yeah. I'd like it from the bottom up. And and digital is in our future, but it, how much and how it sort of gets evolves is something that we really need to do with professionals as we move forward. With the NCAA decision and some decisions that we did at Vermont Tech, I just didn't have enough information. Uh, you know, what's the retention rate in, in terms of uh, school athletics in those particular instances? What is the, um, what's, what, does it help us with diversity in our campuses with those athletic programs? What sort of, um, enrollment and recruitment does that add to our system? I needed answers to all of those before I wanted to move forward. So I, And secondly, I wanted to be fair. Yeah. I wanted metrics out there so people could look to see whether they were hitting the metrics or not hitting the metrics. So I gave those programs three years to sort of uh, let's evaluate them according to metrics that everybody agrees to. And you can go back um, decades and, and, and remember, you know, football at the University of Vermont. People still say bring football back. Yep. Baseball, Baseball, same thing. So you drop that. It's yeah. It, it, it takes a long time to uh, soften that blow. It, it really does. And we, we remember football back, yeah. back at UVM. That went on for years in terms of upheaval, upheaval and discussion. Right now, as you're bringing a university together and, and moving to Vermont State University, we don't need those distractions right now. 
Uh, Jeb Spaulding uh, proposed closing campuses to save money. Uh, about 500 people would lose jobs. Um, but let's let's talk about that. That whole issue of you've got a deficit uh, that you've got to fill, uh, affordable tuition, and does the state fund enough? Uh, do we need more help from the state? The state has been very generous to us, over $200 million since 2020, um, in order to help us bring down that structural deficit that we have. We've been hitting our marks as we bring it down over five years. This year at the end of FY24, which starts July 1, mm-hmm. uh, we'll bring it down to $17 million. We're bringing it down $5 million a year in the interim. The state is helping us out with the deficit so that that structural deficit uh, doesn't take too much of a bite out of one year as we're moving forward. Yeah. I don't have any plans to close any campuses yeah. as we move forward, but we've got to figure out how we can increase enrollment among all the campuses. That, that $5 million sounds like a lot of money, but in terms of the budget, it's actually what, around 3% or so? Right around is, 3 It's pretty easy to, yeah, to cut. Right, right around 3%. Now, you know, our... Our expenditure budget ending up this fiscal year, FY23, was $153 million. About 3% uh, would be about $5 million. Now, it's going to get harder as we go. um, So we've got to get smarter as we move forward in the out years. We've got to take a quick break. My guest, uh, Mike Smith, he's with me just till the bottom of the hour. And uh, he's got to scoot out of here because he has a very – this is an important meeting as well. But uh, he has another important meeting to get to. And uh, uh, he said if I don't get out, uh, he may have to use some Navy SEAL techniques, (laughs) which we don't want to get into. So we'll take a quick break here on Travels with Charlie, and we'll be right back on WDEV. Whether you're traveling for a vacation, planning a business trip, or have a global company looking for a strong Vermont-based company to align with for business and meeting management, Milne Travel is a trusted local partner, and they've been one since 1975. Milne Travel is one of the top travel companies based in New England. Featuring educational tours, vacation travel, or corporate solutions, let their travel specialists search the lowest airfares exclusive to the travel industry for you. Guaranteed. We're all getting ready to travel again. Save time and money on your next trip. Go to www.millnetravel.com. All right, it's time to play Name That Tune with Mike Smith. American woman. Oh, man, he got it. He got it. Woo. Welcome back to Travels with Charlie. Mike Smith, I didn't doubt this guy would get it. Uh, uh, guess who? American woman. Thanks for joining us this afternoon on Travels with Charlie. Mike Smith is my guest. Uh, got some calls during the break. Uh, come on, give us a call right back. 244-1777 or 1-877-291-8255. And Rich is on the line. He has a question for my guest, uh, the interim president of Vermont State Universities. Good afternoon, Rich. Welcome to Travels with Charlie. Good afternoon, Charlie. Good afternoon, Mike. Mike, welcome back to the airwaves. Um, I'd like to know uh, about uh, CCV and all this. It used to be part of the Vermont State College system. Where is it going? Who's going to run it? And uh, I guess if I was going to suggest a role model for your for your six months as president, I would look toward Rich Snyder, the former president of Norwich University. Good role model. Very good role model. CCV is still part of the Vermont State College system. So you've got two systems. You've got, you've got the Vermont State College system that has the board 
and the chancellor, then you have CCV, Community College of Vermont, and then you have Vermont State University. And Joyce, Judy has been doing a wonderful job as president of CCV. I, I hope she continues for many, many years to be president of CCV. And CCV and, and us, Vermont State University, I think, have a really great opportunity here with, with making sure that we work together as we move forward. I, you know, I admire what CCV does and, and, and I think we are a natural step for, uh, CCV students to further their education mm-hmm. after their CCV education. Thank you, Rich. Uh, is that Rich Snyder that called in there? I don't know. It was Mike, is it really, is it an issue of, we, we need more students. I mean, think about it. If we had more students, you have more students paying tuition, and then you need less help from the state in terms of uh, we wouldn't have to cut budgets. We'd have more money coming in. I think it's partly that. I mean, the demographics in the north northeast in particular, there's less students with more uh, more colleges and universities competing for those students. So demographics have a lot to play in there. But I also think there's a couple of other things that are that we have been struggling with at Vermont State University that I think are solvable and and can be repaired. One of them I, I think is the fact that COVID had yeah. an impact on us, but COVID is sort of fading into the background yeah. as we move forward. A lot of people- but I think it's a it's affected a lot of people in the way that they perceive things now, and especially in the workforce. You talk with anybody that owns a business. And they can't find employees. That's right. And, and males in particular, um, we're trying to find out. There's, there's a segment out there that, uh, that has sort of vanished on us and we need to figure that out. One of the statistics that I find fascinating is that we have a high high school graduation rate mm-hmm. here in the state, yet, on, yet only 55% go on to higher education. That means 45% don't. And we, we can make sure that that 45% can be employable as we move forward. So, we have uh, the demographics that I talked about. We have COVID that I think can be overcome. We've stepped on our foot a couple of times sure. uh, with the library and the athletics. So d- those distractions had an impact on us. And I also think that people underestimate when you go through a change, um, you don't only go through just changing the name. All your operations and your IT systems and everything oh, yeah. has to work. Yeah. Uh, and, and those take a little bit more time than people ever imagined. I think uh, Vermont State University did a great job in doing the conversion, but there's always things that you can do better. So I have to ask you, it was sort of like, uh, uh, you know, going back to a, a great Rodney Dangerfield movie, you know, Rodney goes back to college. You actually, you stayed in a dorm for yes. a while. Now, why did you do that? I did it for a couple of weeks. First, let's yeah. set the table. Well, you had the Rodney Dangerfield dorm. No, I, it I was, did. you know. Well, it wasn't quite Rodney Dangerfield, <laughs> but it was an RA, yeah. uh, uh, an apartment. Yeah. So I wasn't in the actual population yeah. with the students, which would have been a little creepy as 60 some odd. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, but the I just felt it was necessary 
to understand the student life. Sure. And, and eat in the dining halls and do yep. everything that they did. I had the same bed, which was very small. So which, there may be some changes yeah, coming up yeah, there. I'm going to go to Queens. No, <laughs> had, I'm just he, had, he had a better bed in Navy yeah. SEAL and he was sleeping in a dirt hole, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah, I guess you could put it in that perspective. But I thought it was important to yeah. do that. Mike, this has been great having you on. I know it's a huge uh, undertaking and July 1st, that's the big date uh, launching Vermont State Universities. You're behind it. You'll be there till November. Good luck with everything. Uh, and they certainly do have the right person, uh, you know, to, to do that. I know I've known you for a long time and uh, always respected you. And you were the guy that got things done. I mean, and we just we've always, always seen that. But uh, I have to ask you, because I, I don't know, uh, what's the longest job that you've ever held? <laughs> Probably being a SEAL. <laughs> was the longest. Job. How many years was that? That was four years. That's so, it. Yeah. I, I, wow. Actually, actually, if you look at state government yeah. in total, it, yeah, but it, yeah, it, but but particular job. Yeah, but particular. I went from Secretary of Administration, Secretary of Human Services, back to Secretary of Administration under the Douglas yeah. administration. Yeah. That was six or seven years. Yeah. So probably that. So uh, is, is retirement finally uh, coming up in November? I think huh? probably. Yeah. It, Mary? It, we, we, we'll, we'll, we'll see. <laughs> Shut your phone off November yes. 1st. Shut your phone off. Toss it in the lake. Uh, I know you, you, you've thought about, well, you actually wrote a column for a while, but you've thought about a novel, writing a book, still thinking about that? Could be. Yeah. Uh, you know, with, All right. who knows? I'm All not, right. Well, we'll keep people hanging. You know, Mike Smith is out there, and uh, and who knows? He's not over. Believe me, November 1st, it will not be the last that you've heard of Mike Smith. I'm sure we'll have you on again uh, doing something. Who knows what it is, but good luck with everything, and, and good luck with uh, any part of retirement that you do have coming up. Mike Smith, great to have you on board with us today. Thanks, Charlie, for having me. All right. We'll be right back. We've got the, uh, the Casella Waste Sustainability Spotlight. That's straight ahead. And then Dennis DePaul from Camp Tecumta joins me right here on Travels with Charlie, WDEV. When I'm on the road, I don't have to look very far for a place to fill my gas tank or my belly. Jolly Convenience Stores, with over 40 locations to choose from, makes it easy. Fuel for your car, fresh-made sandwiches, soft drinks, hot coffee, pastries, friendly service, and even creamies. Jolly Convenience Stores supports your community by sponsoring events, veteran organizations, and more. That's why I support them, and you should too. Stop in today. Jolly Convenience Stores, home of the Daily Smile. Sure, my my guest leaves and... Oh, okay, I know it. It's Tom Petty. All right, Tom Petty, welcome back. Travels with Charlie. Thanks for joining us today. Uh, coming up in just a moment, uh, the uh, Director of Communications with Casella Waste, Jeff Weld, joins me, and uh, we're going to talk about recycling in the summer. Jeff, are you there? Hey, how are you? Good afternoon, Jeff. I- I'm doing wonderful, man. What a... What a nice, uh, muggy, uh, warm day today, and uh, a great day to bring up uh, recycling in the summer and some of the things that we need to be talking about. Of course, you know, our, our activities change in the summer. We've got barbecues. We've got road trips that we take. Maybe we're going camping. Maybe it's, uh, you know, an outdoor party. Uh, and you still have to keep recycling in the forefront, do you not? Yeah, I think, um, you know, everybody's plans sort of shifts and to get out of the routine a little bit. School's out and 
um, you sort of forget what happens at lunchtime with the kids and when they're off at school and, and parties and things like that. But it's always a good time to remind folks of how to keep recycling, how to do it right, uh, to host those parties and, and keep them and, and uh, without as much disposal as possible. Absolutely. And, and do it and- safely. And and some of the things that I think we need to be very uh, aware of, well, specifically uh, charcoal. You know, some people think that, uh, you know, it's I haven't used it in, a you know, 24 hours and it's safe to throw away. Uh, don't assume anything. Right, Jeff? Yeah, absolutely not. You know, that's the biggest that's the biggest danger. And, and a lot of times if you're using uh, charcoal without additives in it, um, it's a great uh, resource to keep right at your house and to, to use in your garden back, you know, backyard. The, the plants love it. Yeah. Um, it's a great source of, uh, fertilizer. So if it's, if it's just straight up, uh, charcoal, uh, make sure you're, make sure it's fully extinguished. Make sure it's completely, um, you know, wet it down if you have to. If you, if you have to throw it in with your trash, make sure it's completely out. We don't want to see any fires in there, but, uh, yeah, a lot of times it goes great in your garden as well. Yeah, I, I can attest to that. As you know, I have a, a wood-fired pizza oven, and that's what I do with my my ashes. There's no chemicals in it. I, I put it right in the garden, and uh, it certainly helps the tomatoes to grow. Um, okay, so you're out on a picnic, and you got paper plates and napkins and utensils, and one of the things that uh, I, I've... You know, just finding out a lot of these items uh, are not accepted in zero-sort recycling. Yeah, I mean, I think what a lot of people want to do the right thing, right? So if they're using these single-use items, uh, sometimes they'll have the trailing triangle on them. Sometimes they'll, oh, it's paper. It's, you know, most of these items are coated in some sort of plastic. They're what we call multi-layer packaging. Um, they're just not something that's going to go in with your with your traditional zero-sort recycling. Um, best thing to do, you, you know, use reusables uh, when you're out, whenever you can. Uh, and if not, if you can't, if you have to use a single use, put them right in the trash. Uh, we'll take care of them and dispose of them safely. Now, we've got the 4th of July coming up, and with that means, you know, sparklers and fireworks and things like that. Uh, what's the, the safe um, or the cautious thing to do with uh, with fireworks, Jeff? Yeah, you really, you know, in, here in Vermont, it's one of those things where technically not supposed to use most of them anyways, but... If you do have to, you know, soak them down, you know, find them, wet them down, make sure there's no chance of, of recombustion, wrap them in tin foil and throw them away. Do not place them in with your recycling. Do not place them directly in with your trash uh, within 24 hours. Um, you know, really, these are items that, you know, if they find a spark and they, and they get a little fuel, they can cause a problem in your own trash at home or um, in on the truck or in, in the facilities. Yep, absolutely. The other, the other one we see a lot this time of year and more and more as people um, get uh, a little bit more um, uh, traveling around is those, those little one-pound propane cylinders, um, right? Everybody sees them. They're, oh, yes. They're, you know, they're, they're, they're aluminum, so or they're metal, and, they, and everybody just assumes that when they're empty, they go straight into your recycling and, and that's a that's a huge danger for us. Um, any kind of pressurized container does not belong in in with your trash. They're banned from uh, landfill in Vermont. Where do they go, Jeff? Where where do we bring those items? They, 
you could take those straight to your uh, transfer station, your local transfer station. They'll accept them free of charge. Um, you can take them back to um, any Blue Rhino, any any of these uh, areas um, stores that have Blue Rhino return centers. They'll actually accept, or they're supposed to accept these oh. one pounds for disposal. Oh, that's so, okay. Great. Um, Keep, keep them out of the, keep them out of the recycling, keep them out of the trash, keep everybody safe and happy so everybody can go home and enjoy the um, summer with their families. Absolutely. Now, now a couple of quick tips uh, before we go here. Obviously, uh, you know, make sure things are empty and clean. That means, you know, the, the jelly jars and the, you know, the mayonnaise jars, peanut butter jars, things like that, empty and clean. Uh, keep it loose. Don't uh, put it in a bag. But yeah, here's one that's very important, and that's little things like, you know, you think about uh, you got a, you know, a plastic soda bottle and you throw the bottle in uh, uh, and you take the cap and you throw that in separately. That's a no-no, right? Yeah, that's going to fall through the machinery and and end up in the trash. And and there's actually some good value in those caps. Put them right on the container. Um, It'll go through, it'll get bailed up, and it'll be turned into something new if you keep it right on the container. And most importantly, uh, when in doubt, just throw it out. Right, Jeff? Yeah, and again, this is tough for people, right? I mean, we all want to do the right thing. We all want to, you know, put our material to a higher and better use. But if you're questioning whether or not it's something that goes in recycling, it's most likely not doesn't belong in there. So, so put it in the trash. Put it in the trash safely. If you have questions about whether or not it goes somewhere, com slash recycle better, all kinds of do's and don'ts, tips and tricks. Um, we want to help you do it right and do it safely this summer so everybody can enjoy themselves. Very good. And, of course, uh, 4th of July coming up. Have a happy Independence Day. Hope you got something good cooking on the grill. And uh, don't forget uh, when you're out and about, still got to recycle if you're at the camp or you're at a park or outdoor party or doing barbecue. Casella.com for more information. Casella.com. Jeff Weld, Director of Communications. Jeff, thank you for joining us here today on Travels with Charlie. Thanks for having me, Charlie. Happy summer. Oh, you too, man. Loving it. Uh, All right, coming up next, the executive director of Camp Tecumta, Dennis DePaul, joins me right here on Travels with Charlie, WDEV. The waste and resource management industry is a complex, integrated system that many people and communities take for granted. Trash, recycling, compost, we're all familiar with the terms, but maybe not the truths behind the waste industry. Want to learn more? Beyond the Bin is a podcast by Casella, which shines a light on what really happens to our waste and recycling. If you're interested in environmental sustainability and renewable resources, then check out this podcast. You'll learn about waste and recycling, meet members of the Casella team, and one episode even deals with beekeeping. Check it out online at www.casella.com forward slash beyond the bin. be a little bit of uh, brain brain fog, you know, with the humidity today. Uh, I know the name of the song is uh, Ventura Highway. Does that count? That counts. Welcome back. Travels with Charlie. Thanks for joining me today. 
Hey, want to give you a, a, a quick uh, reminder what's going on with Make- Myers Bagel Cafe in Burlington. As you know, 377 Pine Street. They've been there for years. Uh, now at 408 Shelburne Road in South Burlington, where they are now called Myers Wood-Fired Bagels because they're doing wood-fired bagels like they've always done. But coming up soon, uh, they're going to be doing pizza. They've got libations there, of course. You know, great breakfast and lunch sandwiches. Really, really creative menu. You know, check out their 377 brisket. Uh, uh, hopefully, they'll come up with a 408 uh, sandwich soon. And, of course, the McMire, my favorite, the smashed fingerling potato with smoked brisket and Swiss uh, cheese, pickles, and slaw. They they smoke their own meats there. They've got flavored cream cheeses, unbelievable pastries, Pine Street and Shelburne Road with pizza. It's Myers Wood-Fired Bagels. Myers Wood-Fired Bagels and Pizza, of course. And don't forget, they're open from 6 a.m. to 2 p.m. daily right now. And mail order is available. If you're outside the area and you used to live here and you remember their bagels, they'll pop them in the mail to you. How about that? Myers Wood-Fired Bagels and Pizza on Shelburne Road in South Burlington. Well, welcome back to Travels with Charlie. Thanks for joining me here today. And my next guest is the executive director of Camp Tecumta, a camp in South Hero for kids who have or had cancer. Dennis DePaul joining me on the phone line. Dennis, good afternoon, cuz. Well, hello, Charlie. How are you, my friend? <laughs> I'm doing fantastic. So nice to have you on here. And uh, so I have to ask you because, uh, you know, growing up, of course, uh, uh, and, you know, many people will say this, they'll remember, you know, the shoe store in Winooski, which was your grandfather's, you know, my Uncle John's. But yeah. you used to always, everyone would always say, you know, we're going to Paul's to get our shoes, <laughs> Paul's. Uh, how do you like your na- last name pronounced? Is it DePaul or DePaul? I, I just say DePaul because my grandmother always said just to say DePaul. But, you know, Charlie, that's not our original last name. It was changed on Ellis Island. I, I think you know that. Yes. I'm assuming you know that. Yes. Because it was it was De Paula. Right. So, uh, so when it was changed or Americanized to DePaul, um, I think a lot of people called the shoe store DePaul's. Yes, they <laughs> did. Yeah. Very strong <laughs> emphasis on the DE. Yeah. But when I say it, I just say DePaul. Yeah. Well, Dennis, it's good to talk with you today. Let's let's talk a little bit about uh, the history of Camp Tecumta. I believe you are the the third executive director in its life, am I correct? I am. I'm the I'm the the third in a in a very honorable line, that's for sure. Yeah. Our first executive director was Ted Kessler, uh, whom we hired when we first purchased property back in 2009. Um, Ted and a small group of people had done amazing work before that time because for 25 years we didn't own property. Right. But in 2009, we purchased property. We hired Ted Kessler, uh, who is one of the most amazing human beings I've ever met, to be our executive director. And he was with us for many years. And then uh, when Ted decided to retire, we hired uh, Hattie Johnson, who mm-hmm. was our executive director for the next four years and did an amazing job with camp and continues to flourish with Make-A-Wish Foundation. Hattie's a, a good friend to camp, and we, we love and adore her, too. And so, yeah, I'm number three. I'm the third <laughs> one. When I, when I decided to step down from the university where I had worked for 25 years and to do something different or to quasi-retire out of the university, uh, I figured this, after my own experience as a volunteer for a long time, it was time to take a, a bigger and different role and 
and spend some time helping build the organization. So I've been doing that now. I'm in my fourth year of doing that. And, of course, as you mentioned, as a volunteer, you've been involved with Camp Tecumta for many, many years. So not <laughs> just – uh 1998. Okay. You, one of the early early on. Uh, let's Let's talk about those early days – uh, at Camp Holy Cross, which is no longer there in Colchester, the Camp Holy Cross, and it was a it was a two week only program that uh, that Ted Kessler had put on, and certainly come a long ways since then. Uh, with the property now in South Hero, it's actually gone to a year round campus, has it not? Yes, and that's the big change. You're right. It was one weekend and one week prior to 2009. Uh, where we rented the property at Holy Cross and, and spent a weekend and a week there during the summers. But once we purchased our own property and launched a capital campaign and have built a stunning facility in South Hero, Vermont, our home, uh, we have year-round programs. So we, we run programs almost every single month of the year, with the exception of November, where we tell our campers and their families, Spend time with each other and just <laughs> love up on one each other, each other for the month of November because that's that's our professional conference month and we have other professional camping association things going on that month so we take a one month break but the rest of the year Charlie we're running not only our summer camp program and our but we're running weekend programs all throughout the year even in the dead middle of winter let me tell you do you remember that. 35 below zero day this past winter. I try to Guess forget it. I <laughs> Guess where I was, Charlie. I, I was freaking out over frozen pipes at Camp something with Ooh. a bunch of youngest campers in the building. <laughs> well, uh, we were having fun, though. <laughs> I was going to say that that'd be a great opportunity for your, your skating pond that you put in, uh, you know, the skating uh, rink that you put it uh, just off the uh, off uh, the front of the building there. Oh, yeah, with much gratitude to Bobby Miller and, and all of his contacts and Hattie Johnson, our executive director at the time. We have a beautiful pavilion that we do put an ice skating rink in, and we have a lot of fun on that rink. Although and it's I'm not just an ice skating rink, Dennis. Let's, you know, be honest. Kind of, If you can describe that to our listeners, because they're thinking, okay, it's just, you know, we do that in our backyard. You know, we put up some, some two-by-fours, and, and we flood it, and we have a skating rink. I, I think you go a little bit above and beyond that, do you not? Well, we, we have a little bit of fun with our rink. Everything from uh, hiding things in the ice so the children have a little uh, a little scavenger hunt to find things hidden in the ice to putting down uh, LED lights in yeah. the ice so we can light up the ice from below. It's camp, Charlie. we got to have fun with it. We exactly. Things, so. If you have a question or comment uh, for my uh, my guest this afternoon, Executive Director of Camp Tecumta in South Hero, 244-1777 or 1-877-291-8255. Your summer camp is coming up. That'll be uh, end of July into uh, August, Dennis? Oh, yes. We, we will start moving into camp kind of Wednesday, Thursday, the 19th and 20th. Uh, our volunteers arrive the 21st and 22nd, and the campers arrive on the 23rd and are with us for the week of July. So we, we are getting ready for them to be back in person. And, Charlie, most of all, we're not having to be masked this year, which is amazing. I'm going to be able to see the children's faces and the smiles and with much gratitude to the science behind COVID low numbers, uh, we are able to rejoin safely with our kids. We're still going to test everybody yeah. on the way in. We run our own testing right on site, 
uh, we'll do that testing, but then we're pretty much back to a normal summer with our kids. Well, you always have to be very careful uh, because many of the, the children are immunocompromised, are they not? Yeah, absolutely. COVID, while different for most of the world, was pretty normal to camp. We've always required vaccinations for our kids and for our volunteers and ourselves because they are immunocompromised. So we we have to be at our best protected self to keep them safe. Uh, so, yeah, we've always had to be careful. Even RSV and the flu are very dangerous for some of our children. So how many campers are coming in this year, uh, Dennis? Do you know? So our normal number is around 60, 65. We've got about 35 campers registered so far. That's pretty normal for us. We we tend to get an onslaught of registrations ready before camp starts. So we're actually hoping we'll be back to some pretty normal numbers this summer. We were a little less last summer, a little bit smaller numbers, and um, and we we had some families who just weren't ready to let their kids be back in a public space, sure. a space like camp. Yeah. Their kids aren't even in schools. Their kids are not attending family events. And so camp felt very risky to some of them still because of COVID. Uh, but we're, we're hoping that uh, this summer will be different and we'll get everybody back. Well, and it's looking like, uh, you know, many events that didn't go on for the last uh, three or four years are finally uh, coming back to, to normal. So uh, hopefully this will be a year where you've got, uh, you know, full a group of campers able to enjoy all of the fun things that you guys always do there. And you certainly couldn't do any of them without the help of the volunteers. And there's lots of volunteers that come back year after year. Can you tell us a little bit about that, Dennis? Yeah, we, we owe so much gratitude to our volunteers. And it's not just our program volunteers, because we have many organizations that come and help maintain our property too. So we, we probably have roughly 150 program volunteers that do exceptional work building our programs and creating the magical moments and the memories for our children, programmatically speaking. So that's our winter weekend programs, our moms and dads programs, our siblings programs, and then the camper programs themselves, the patient camper programs. Yeah. And then yeah. we have volunteers that come all summer long and even through the winter to help with snow. Uh, to help maintain our facility and to to help our facilities guys really <laughs> we have a big property charlie I know you do I've been there many <laughs> times there's a lot of property there <laughs> 103 acres and 28 structures it's just a little bit to maintain so with with uh, the most amazing, amazing kitchen I've ever seen in my life. Um, that's uh, and, and you know the interesting thing for for people that don't know it, Dennis. Uh, you know that was the facility that you that was purchased uh, for Camp Tecumta was once a private home, and uh, that kitchen that was in the in the lower level was there for the people that lived there. They just liked to cook and entertain. And you know the first time I walked in there it was like I was in a commercial kitchen somewhere. It's just it's unbelievable, but it's it's helped you do what you do there for, you know, 60 to 65 campers and all of the staff that's there. Uh, but there were also a lot of changes that, that you had to had to make just to make that, um, you know, whether it's OSHA or whoever has to get involved uh, in all of those things with, you know, with kids with disease uh, that are going to be there that you had to change, right? Oh, absolutely. Bill and Connie Willie, uh, who unfortunately we've lost Connie, but Bill is still around. He's living in Essex. They built this uh, this lodge that we're in 
They didn't know they were building a home for Camp Tecumseh at the time, but they did. Mm. Uh, we love Bill and his wife, Connie, tremendously, and we remember Connie in our hearts always. Uh, but Bill is still around. He still helps us. And honestly, he and Ted were great partners in the early days of our of our uh, construction project, the capital project of building camp. We had to retrofit that building right. with fire systems to make it a public building. Yep. That's why when you're in there, you might notice some pipes on the outside of the walls, Charlie. Have you noticed that? A yes. Times? Yeah. Yeah. That's Higher that. railings on the outside, things like that yeah. uh, that are needed, oh, obviously. Yeah. 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 And then we also, through COVID, we, we had to do close to a $100,000 upgrade on the air systems in order to make the air quality of the building um, acceptable, both to our partner at UVM Medical, because we, we partner with them to run our programs and, and just for the basic standards of what a public building should have. Uh, and New England Air helped us do that, which has been really great. So. And you certainly couldn't do many of these things without the help of uh, the community and many of the businesses that uh, that uh, chip in and help you out. Executive Director of Camp to come to uh, Dennis DePaul, my guest this afternoon on Travels with Charlie, a, a camp for kids in South Hero who have or had cancer. I know many of your campers come back year after year, and in fact, some of them even come back uh, to work as uh, counselors, do they not? They do. With a lot of gratitude and advances in medicine, we do have campers who survive their cancer, and we have them back as counselors. I have two campers on my board at Camp Tecumseh now, which is just heartwarming for me because I remember both of them when they were a camper, and now they're and now I report to them, Charlie. It's <laughs> pretty pretty awesome, if you ask me. It is an honor to work for them in many regards. So, well, hopefully, um, Dennis, they don't remember some prank that you pulled on them, and they they want to get. Let's talk a little bit about the pranks that that are part of camp life at Camp Tecumseh, because you guys are famous for the pr- pranks that you do, and some of them. I still don't know how you do them because you'll do them like in the course of an evening. When the campers wake up, it's like surprise. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There's lots of different evening shenanigans, as we call them, (laughs) that occur at camp. Uh, From, you know, I remember one night waking up to this blaring light being shined on the cabin, on my cabin. And uh, everybody, of course, it's 3 a.m., everybody goes outside, what's this noise, what's this bright light? And they, there was a big construction light pointing at my cabin, all lit up in its full glory, with a giant sign on it that said, Dennis's Nightlight. For everybody. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to get back so, at you. <laughs> oh, it, it, yeah, there were a lot of unhappy people with me the next day, but I promise you, it wasn't my nightlight. Someone did that to me. Uh, but we, we do lots of fun pranks at camp just to keep, the, a little bit of the unexpected is part of the experience, yeah. but also the joy it does for the campers. You know, we our oldest girl campers last year, uh, they so the leadership team, we call ourselves Colt, the camp operations leadership team. We do a little huddle outside of the garage every morning to touch base, you mm-hmm. know, just to touch base on what's happening that yeah. day. Well, the oldest girls, with some help, mind you, I won't throw that group under the bus, but they had some help. Our oldest campers went up on the top deck of the pavilion, and while we were in our huddle, 
they doused us with water guns and buckets of water. I love it. And to add injury, Charlie, when we walk, you know, once that happens, what do we do? We walk over there and we're like, how dare you? You've got us soaking wet. Yeah. We were having fun. Do you know what they did? They then dropped buckets of glitter on us. <laughs> so not only were we wet, we had glitter stuck to every crevice and crease of our bodies, which I found for months after camp because of our campers. But what, what a memory for them and joyful fun for all of us. Well, never at a loss for pranks at that camp <laughs> no. to come to. You've got some events coming up. Of course, you've got, uh, you know, the camp coming up for the, for the kids, uh, but you've got a raffle that's ongoing right now for the, you know, the walk and ride raffle. Uh, September 23rd, you're going to be at Centennial Field, right? We, we are for our softball tournament. It's an all day tournament. If you visit Tecumseh.org, you can put in for a team and you can come and play for an hour. We have this long-standing rivalry between our Ropies, which is our ropes course leaders, and our waterfront. And so it's the Ropies against the waterfront softball game. And there's a different team that plays every hour. And when we get to the end of the day, we find out who won the war. Uh, so anybody can put a team in to play for an hour as part of that joy and fun for the day and come play with us and you're bringing uh, the lobster bake back right this is going to be it's not a virtual lobster bake it's an actual steak and lobster uh, event august 5th correct that is correct we're back uh in august with the lobster bake which is super exciting it's uh, saturday august 5th tickets are available for that online now too uh, reserve a table or get a ticket for yourself. That event tends to sell out. So if you're going to get a ticket, I'd get it pretty quick uh, because that event does tend to sell out. Yeah, and, and, and uh, again, it's, it's a lovely evening. first time in many years that you're able to do it uh, and do it uh, not on a virtual. You can still do it virtually if you want. You can get a you know gift card to, to get a meal. But uh, it's it's a lot of fun to be there. I've been uh, been to one of them, I'm actually serving, and uh, uh, that's a whole other thing. You know, me serving food, look out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we we have the best donors in the world. The community, uh, upstate New York, and all of Vermont deeply supports Camp Tecumta, and we could not be more thankful to get the support that we do for events like our softball game and the lobster bake. Camp Tecumta, like always, is supported by the grassroots community. That always is. keeps us alive. All right, um, org for more information, uh, Dot org. Dennis DePaul, my guest this afternoon. Dennis, good to talk with you. I'll see you soon. Thanks for joining us here on Travels with Charlie. All right, Charlie. Thank you so much. Great talking with you. As well. All right. Uh, we're going to see you back here on July 10th. David Van Sleet, my friend and classmate, is going to be joining me with the Louisville Slugger Warriors National Amputee Baseball Team. They're coming here shortly in July. And Wendy Mays from the VAB and maybe some – I'm working on getting a – some food people in here. We, we're, we're getting hungry here at WDEV. I gotta, I gotta feed the masses. Have a happy 4th of July. We'll see you back here on WDEV on July 10th.